Someone's moving in across the street from me? Hey, gang! Look, there's a new kid moving hey, in! Hey, brother! Put yourself together! Come on, Charlie Brown! Get out of the way! Ow! Hey, guys! What did you see? Who is it? Oh! I think I see a piano! I hope you love Beethoven! Beethoven's Beethoven! Maybe he will appreciate my natural beauty! I just hope he'll have an open mind about the great pumpkin! I think they have a toaster! It's not often you get the opportunity to start over with a clean slate. This time, things will be different. Good morning. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And thank you, Charlie Brown Peanuts, for helping to introduce the theme of today's message found in Ephesians 3. You see, people love a good mystery, whether it be Charlie Brown and his group of friends of which we all love dearly, or you as a child solving some mystery with your imaginations, or maybe you all now enjoy a, uh, one of those escape rooms every now and then. You see, we love a mystery, and we enjoy watching mysteries being solved through TV shows. My dad enjoyed Columbo. Maybe you remember that old show, Columbo. Maybe you still watch it today. My wife enjoys episodes of Diagnosis Murder. We also enjoy shows like NCIS, or maybe you've enjoyed these shows or others like CSI, or maybe a good mystery novel, books, or stories. I think of Sherlock Holmes and the mysteries he would solve. I think of really almost all TV shows that get your attention by solving some type of mystery. Yes, we as a people enjoy mysteries, but it's mostly the solving the mystery that we're after. But isn't it funny how we don't enjoy solving the mystery of a miss missing purse, a missing wallet, or a set of keys lost Nowhere to be found. Or trying to figure out how are we going to make ends meet financially from month to month. In today's scripture found in Ephesians 3, 1 to 3, Paul speaks of the mystery being revealed. The mystery revealed. Charlie Brown, while solving the mystery of the moving truck and a new neighbor, made a statement which applies greatly today, to today's theme. He says, it's not often you get the opportunity to start over with a clean slate. This time, things will be different. Let me say that again. I, I, I just love this quote from that Peanuts movie, that Charlie Brown movie. He says, it's not often you get the opportunity to start over with a clean slate. This time, things will be different. This applies greatly to today's message. Gentiles now had and have still today, through Jesus, we have today the opportunity to start with a clean slate. And yes, this time things will be different. In fact, things are so radically different than anything the Jews or Gentiles had ever heard before that Paul would explain this mystery being revealed Yet again, remember the Gentiles are those who are not Jews, all those who are not Jews. So we are Gentiles today. Paul would interrupt his thought once again as he felt he had not milked this topic enough yet. Let's read now from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. Please follow along on the screen. 
For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now notice before we go further, Paul does not say a prisoner of Rome or a prisoner of man, but for Christ Jesus. And that begs us to ask the same question. Are we a prisoner of Jesus? Does Jesus own us? Does Jesus hold us captive? Well, actually, he gives us freedom, but, but we are owned by Christ, owned by God, no longer or controlled by this world. But then there's another point here. Paul was owned by Christ, but not just that. He knew that Christ had a purpose of having him being in prison. Christ could release him at any time. He was not Rome's prisoner. He was Christ's prisoner, and Christ had a purpose for where he was at, and Paul would continue to serve him no matter what his circumstances were. Let's continue to read. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, verse 2 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, if you're just catching up, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, meaning, meaning God has elected him, God has called him to this position. Verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. God revealed this to him. Revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive, remember, this was a letter. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. He has a special insight, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations before him, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of, of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. In God, who created all things. Don't, don't skip over that part. Hidden for ages in God. God had this secret. God held on to this truth, for he created all things. Moving on, verse 10 says, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, In whom we have boldness and access. Boldness and access. God gives you boldness and access with confidence. Through our faith with him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Today we speak, we look, we talk of the mystery revealed. And as we opened up this morning, we're talking of mysteries, but there is a difference between the mysteries we spoke of compared to the mystery that, God, that Paul speaks of here in Ephesians. Here in the New Testament, this Greek word mysterion is something which is beyond natural knowledge, but has been opened up by divine revelation through the Holy Spirit. Meaning it's not something we could solve on our own. It's not some mystery we could figure out on our own. Columbo, Gibbs, 
Nancy Drew, no matter who you are or war, you could not solve this mystery without God. Paul's words in Colossians 1.26 gives us this idea saying, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. God has disclosed this news. It's something previously undreamed of, which is now disclosed to believers. An opened secret. Here's an application. Do not take your understanding of the Bible and the free grace salvation which you have been given through Christ for granted. Do not take your understanding of the Bible and the free grace salvation you have been given through Christ for granted. It is an amazing gift and blessing that God would reveal Christ to us. Here in Ephesians, the mystery was hinted at in chapter 2, verse 10, where Paul says, For we are God's workmanship, his masterwork, new spiritual creations brought near through the blood of Christ. Verse 13, the mystery was further opened. In verse 15, where we are told that the nearness, reconciliation, happened through the creation, quote, in himself of one new man out of the two a new humanity, a third race of humans, the church was born. This mystery, this now open secret dominates Paul's thoughts as he writes here in chapter 3. In verse 1, he begins to pray, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. But then he stops because he's still caught up with thoughts of the mystery, and he wants to milk this some more. So he focuses on the mystery revealed in verses 2 to 13. And then he gets back to his point from verse 1 and begins to pray in verse 14, saying, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. We focus today on verses 2 to 13. Paul has trouble leaving this marvelous subject of the mystery. But this is out of a compulsion of a grateful heart. In verses 2 to 6, Paul digresses. Digresses meaning he temporarily leaves the main subject or purpose at which he was getting at in order to focus on this mystery a bit more. He digresses as he focuses on how this great mystery has come to him personally. What is this mystery? How does it affect the Ephesians and other readers of this letter? This mystery, he says, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body, and partakers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. Paul takes a knee, if you would. He pauses. He says, everybody come near on this because he believes this would be baffling news and hard for both Jew and Gentiles to hear and believe. He may have mentioned this in chapter 2, but as he moves on and starts to move on to the next topic, all of a sudden, he might imagine jaws dropped and people perplexed, maybe thinking or saying, um, what did he just say? What does this mean? Is this for real? Is Paul off his rocker? This is crazy talk. So Paul spends some more time in explanation, explaining the authority that this news comes from. He also may do this out of his own great affection for this message. Notice now, Gentiles now and Jews now are number one, heirs together, two members together, and three partakers together, sharers together of Christ. Now, and the spiritual blessings that that brings. 
Now, as we talked last week, we are reconciled, brought near, both vertically to God and horizontally to one another. And we are to share both in and of these things. But do not forget, just as Paul, do not forget the mystery revealed is because of a union with Christ, not of anything you have discovered on your own. The big idea today is this, the mystery of the gospel is that God allows all people to be saved, even through the act of Israel's rejection of Jesus as Messiah. Let me say that again. The mystery of the gospel is that God allowed all people to be saved. By his grace, through faith, we who are Gentiles have been allowed to become God's people. And there's a big application here. God reveals the mystery of his grace through the church. And because the mystery has been revealed to us, we are called to make God's glorious riches known to others, even if at great personal cost. In this passage, Paul explains that the turning point of all history is God's plan of redemption made evident by Jesus Christ. The mystery was built up for generations, revealed in pieces through the law and prophets, And now the culmination is this, that God would send his own son to live, die, and rise again to save humanity. Jew and Gentile could be brought together. No Jew or Gentile had ever conceived such a mystery in his wildest dreams. But now it has come to be. And for Paul, this remained an abiding wonder and joy. The mystery is now to be revealed to others by the church. We have a responsibility, and it's not just to one another. We'll see that later. There's no need to hide the revealed mysteries. We must shine it for others to see and come into great knowledge. We must come together around the unity we have in Christ Jesus and bring others in with us. Use our differences, our uniqueness, which God gives us and the gifts he gives us to the glory of God and his purpose. Focus on his will on his plan. You see, all the nations, all the people of God's created earth need to hear of Jesus, the gospel, the good news of peace with God through the cross, through Jesus' sacrifice. Last week, I shared how the Jews of the time had thought of Gentiles. At one time, Gentiles were thought those not loved by God, created to fuel the fires of hell, And that sounds terrible, yet there are people still today who are treated similarly. When Christians, the church, do not see the need to share with them the gospel. And by us not seeing the necessity of sharing with them the news of Jesus, they're being treated also as fuel for hell. All people need the good news of Jesus. As we move forward in verses 7 to 13, we see the ministry surrounding the mystery revealed. Paul, having held this mystery up high for all to see and understand, now exalts in the ministry which he has been given surrounding the mystery. He says in verses 7 to 9, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given 
to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. Notice three things here. Paul understood the great responsibility and privilege he had in declaring these truths which had now been revealed. Number two, well, number one, again, Paul understood the great responsibility and privileges which he had been given in declaring these truths, which had now been revealed. But number two, Paul understood his place in all this. It is all by God's grace, God's power. God made him a minister. God made him a minister. And by God's grace. Notice his humility In verse 8, he again speaks of how he is the least of all the saints and yet still receives God's grace to preach of the riches of Christ to all. God revealed it to him. Paul never thought of himself as discovering some secret on his own, but he realized that these secrets were revealed to him by God. Paul had a wonderful profound understanding of his own sin. And to Timothy, he said, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, 1 Timothy 1.15. To the Corinthians, he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecute the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. You see, he knew what he was, but he also knew of God's grace and God's power. Paul could not get over the immense privilege he had of ministering for God. Next, number three, notice Paul's understanding of his mission. The message he was to preach was of riches, to bring light to everyone, to show God's plan of salvation to everyone, something that was hidden and now had been revealed. He had a mission, number one, to reveal the mystery to the Gentiles, and number two, to bring to light to everyone in the church these mysteries as well. Paul saw himself as a man with double privilege, as he was privileged with having the mysteries revealed to him by God, but then he was also privileged to reveal the mysteries to others, the church and the Gentiles alike. We now come to us. Paul understood these things, but do we? We all have this mission to make the peace of God, the love of God through Jesus known to all. The church has a purpose, a mission, a responsibility God reveals the mystery through his people, the church, but not just to people around you. We have a purpose to the spiritual beings, angels, both good and fallen. Listen as I read from verse 10, 11 of Ephesians 3. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The church is to make known, show the wisdom made known by God, the mystery revealed to all people. But we also know that the angels are watching the church too. The holy angels are celebrating and learning as they watch the church united together in glorifying God. 
the unholy, the fallen angels, and Satan himself, spiritual authorities, tremble as they see God's plan coming together, the victory God has and will have over them. They know that God will come for them too. What a thought. Do not underestimate God's purpose in the church. The church is helping to teach the angels of God's wisdom and giving them more reason to praise God. Wow. Angels do indeed watch us. Remember what Jesus said, that the angels do when sinner repents, a sinner repents, they rejoice. They see what is happening. The church's purpose is huge. And our text calls us to recognize and revere the immense centrality of the church. Or as John Stott suggested, three grand facts about the church. First, the church is central to history. Second, the church is central to the gospel. Ephesians teaches that the complete gospel involves both the preaching of Christ and the mystery of the church. Christ died and rose from the dead not only to save us, but to create a single new humanity in the church. Third, the church is central to Christian living. We need the church for one another and for God's purposes. The church now has direct access to God for everyday living. And we should use this. Don't take it for granted. Do not take prayer for granted. You have direct access to God because of Jesus and through the Holy Spirit. The text today ends now with Paul alluding to his suffering as he says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which, is, which are your glory. Paul was willing to pay any price to see the church go forward. As an apostle, he saw his sufferings as the church's glory. Paul understood the sovereignty of God. He was God's prisoner, Christ's prisoner. God is in control and he will serve him no matter what circumstances he chooses to put him in. Will we serve him? Will we serve him like this? Will the church take the responsibility seriously? How about we start with how we fellowship together? As one pastor said, the bottom line is this. The church is not an option for believers, nor is supporting it an option. I'm not saying you must go to church to be a Christian, but you also do not have to go home to be married. However, if you do not frequent your home, your relationship will be in jeopardy. Attendance and participation in your local church should not be seen as optional because God knows that we need one another. He commands us to fellowship together. Paul's gospel was both Christ and the church to be revealed to one another. We need both. And we also should be telling everyone of the great blessings and mystery revealed by God. Number one, that all may now be saved by faith and grace alone through Christ Jesus our Lord. Number two, that there is a new race, a new people group, a new community in the church. With both these come great blessings and responsibility. Now we know, all of us know, that the church on earth is imperfect. Nevertheless, we must be committed to the local and universal church. We must be committed to fellowshipping together with all Christians, both here in this body, this building, and out in the community and the world together. We must be involved in small groups, Bible studies, prayer groups, fellowship outside of the church walls as much as inside the church walls because both are needed we must attend worship services and, and do all these things. For To not do these things is to rob one another and the church and Christ of his purpose and will in the church. 
also. Since Christ and his church have the only answer for the world, we must be involved in sharing our faith. Our faith. Evangelism is not optional. We must reach out to those who are not like us and share with them the peace of God. Think right now as you leave. Think, who is one neighbor or friend you have who needs the riches of Christ in their life? Make a plan to talk to them about these truths this week. Write down a name on your bulletin. Write down a name on your hand so you don't forget to find a way to talk to them about the riches that you have in Christ Jesus as Lord. You see, the mystery revealed demands a ministry to be fulfilled. The mystery revealed demands a ministry to be fulfilled. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that we do have a ministry now to be fulfilled. We thank you that you give us all things and you have revealed a great mystery to us. You have now provided salvation for all, for Gentiles and Jews alike, through Jesus, through trusting Jesus as Lord, as Savior. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your grace, which has been given to us free, free salvation through Jesus and the cross. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for this reconciliation, this restored relationship we have with you. May we, may we appreciate the mystery which has been revealed to us through you each and every single day of our lives. And may we see that there is a ministry to be fulfilled today and forevermore to do your purpose, to do your will. Amen.